You're listening to Movie Homework, brought to you by the Binge Media Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. October spooky season, people. I'm Jack. I am joined today by Chad C., my uh, unparalleled co-host. How are you, sir? I'm good, buddy. I'm just sipping on a little uh, Red Bull vodka. Ready to talk mm. about some exorcists. So yeah, yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. So spooky. Right. So spooky. <laughs> well, uh, you know, a couple of things. Last episode, Tenet. Uh, not gonna lie, I uh, I had a great time recording that. I. Uh, I'm a fucking addict. I watched it again since we recorded. So, um, you know, it's it's just it's one of those fucking movies. I, I can't describe it to you. I think we all have these, right? Like, you got one of those movies that just, if you want to, like, be working and have something on in the background, you can just kind of let it run. It's Tenet. What can I say? Um, maybe I'm fucking crazy like that. I don't know. But, but um, to commemorate the release of Exorcist Believer the new Exorcist film in theaters by uh, David Gordon Green. Uh, we decided, because we looked in the archives, we, we didn't really see a dedicated show to the original Exorcist, and we said, fuck it, we should do William Friedkin's The Exorcist, right? There's no better tie-in, so... Absolutely. There it is. Um, so, it, it's... There's a, a lot to this movie. Its legacy is legendary. Um, we are quite a distance away from when it was first made stories about the making of the movie and the trials and tribulations of the people that worked on it. Um, the backstory for the writing of the script and, you know, the Linda Blair of it all and everything else. There's, there's so much to discuss here, but I kind of want to start at the beginning for the two of us. Cause you know, we're, we're the same age. We didn't see this movie when it first came out. How did you find this movie, and what was your reaction to it the first time you saw it? Well, so this is also the 50-year anniversary of The Exorcist, right? 73 to now, and Fathom just did a big event in theaters. Yeah, um, so I'm trying to think about this. I, I honestly, I mean, I've known about this movie for forever. My, I've told the story on the podcast. My uncle, who, when my parents got divorced, we moved in with them, and he's a huge horror fan, huge movie fan. Showed me a lot of stuff I shouldn't have seen too young. And I know this was one of those subliminal uh, movies that he absolutely loved. I came from a religious upbringing. Uh, therefore, my parents were pretty protective as far as uh, what I got to see when I was a really little kid, I guess. <laughs> but then when I was eight, they got divorced. It all went out the window. Sure. And uh, I started seeing shit I shouldn't. But for some reason, this one I just never got around to seeing. I don't think the entire movie until probably my early 20s, to be honest. Uh, it, I mean, I've seen every clip of the exorcism of Reagan. Power of Christ compels you, all of that. But really, beginning to end, I don't think I watched this movie until I was probably 21, 22, somewhere in that range. Okay. And I think that honestly skewed my opinion of what this movie is is and the effectiveness of it for me because I saw it older and so trying to watch it through that lens a lot of the effects didn't have that uh that effect on me right I mean the the, the head turning the everything the levitating in the bed it just didn't quite have <laughs> the intended effect and I think I probably watched it with my college roommate and so we were I think probably laughing a little bit during the first oh, time boy. watch of this oh, oh yeah yeah so through the years, though, the last, I'm 34 now, so, you know, it's been 10, 12 years. I've watched this a handful of times throughout, and the last two weeks since we did Tenet, I've watched this movie three times. I've done the commentary. I've watched Exorcist 2 and 3. I've done <laughs> I've done Fear of God. I've yeah. A lot of documentaries. So I've delved very deep on The Exorcist. So I'm well-versed now, but, yeah, I don't think I saw this until my 20s. I, I, what about you? Where, where were you? Where did you fall? Yeah, I, I'll always appreciate this movie for one simple reason. It, it was the movie that broke my fear of scary movies. Um, okay. And that wasn't because it didn't scare me, but when I was younger, I wasn't exposed to horror whatsoever because 
my dad couldn't give two shits about a horror or a genre movie at all. He's I've said it before. If the movie has uh, action, car chases, or tits, as long as it's got like two of those three, he's usually in. But there are a lot of horror movies that, that kind of only satisfied one of those, you know? So um, it just never was his, his thing. So I was well-versed in like James Bond and, and shit like that, but never horror movies. My mom, on the other hand, had shown me The Sixth Sense when I was, I don't know, when did that movie come out? So 99, showed it to me when I was like 10 or 11. And uh, it, like, deeply scarred me when I saw it. Like, I could not fucking handle that movie at that age, right? So mm. it kind of kept me away from horror movies for, for three or four years. Then I saw Pulp Fiction, you know, I was around 14, I think, when I saw Pulp Fiction the first time. And, uh, yeah, that just, like, it, it totally changed my perspective. And the whole idea of looking at film as, as like, an art form, as, like, a thing that people go and make and not this like you know evil container of like demonic forces or whatever the fuck mm -hmm. i was thinking oh, at the yeah. time um <laughs> it totally skewed my perspective so i still basically i planned the day when i went to watch the exorcist i said okay i'm gonna watch this movie because it's on every list of the greatest movies of all time my mom had also told me that it was the scariest movie she'd ever seen and Oddly, and this is what really intrigued me, I come from, like, Irish Catholic on one side and Roman Catholic Italian on the other, right? And my mom's the Italian side. Well, my, my grandma was still alive at this time, and she had even said that The Exorcist was one of her favorite movies. Now, my grandma, you know, old Italian lady who would make, uh, you know, Sunday gravy and have big family dinner every week... Loved The Sound of Music, loved The King and I, all those Hollywood musicals. And something about The Exorcist spoke to her. And I never really... I, it just, like, boggled my mind that I, I'd heard that. And I was like, that movie? Why that movie? You know? Mm -hmm. So in any case, I plan out my day. And I'm like, okay, nice, bright summer day, not a cloud in the sky. I'm opening <laughs> all the windows in the living room. I'm going to put the movie on. And I'm going to sit here and watch it. And that way, I'll be fine. And I did. And I remember watching the movie and being a little bit creeped out, a little bit freaked out. But I think it, it just totally changed my perception of what a horror movie was. And I saw it more as this this like not to sound pretentious, but like a piece of art to be to be like digested and appreciated, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so it totally changed my perspective on horror movies. Obviously, now horror movies are some of my favorites. So much fun, such a such an amazing genre full of great and really terrible stuff, but it's any genre, I guess. Sure. Um, but yeah, and then just to put a, kind of a, a cap on that, years later, I had a conversation with my grandma about The Exorcist, and I asked her what, like, why this movie? What, you know, because to, to me, it's this sort of extreme uh, documentary style story about you know a demon possession and just some of the most vile things that could be done to a a, a little a young girl on screen you know mm -hmm. and i've i've actually heard the the not a word for word response uh i'm, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to tell you exactly what she said but over the years i've spoken to people who are, are priests who are who are like study theology and they've all said that The Exorcist is one of the greatest affirmations of faith that's ever been put in a movie. And despite the nastiness of that film, the ultimate message of it is what speaks to so many Catholics in particular that I've, I've talked to about this movie. And that is, like, incredible to me. Um, it, it's, a, it's a whole other aspect of this movie that I, I, I'm just, like, astounded by. So... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so long story short, saw it when I was young. I've seen it many times since then, and uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely got its place in film history for sure. So, absolutely. Um, anybody who's listening to this show, we're not going to really change your mind on on that. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think there's. Yeah. Well, I, no, no, go ahead. There's, no, there's nothing that we're going to say in the next hour or whatever that has not been said about this fucking movie. It's one of the greatest horror movies ever, and it's considered that. And was the highest grossing horror movie until it a few years ago, too. So it's like, right. I feel like we did this when we did uh, Citizen Kane. And we're like, what the fuck else are we going to say about this movie? But hey, we're going to talk about it. So get over it. Well, I think, you know, it's funny you brought up the Citizen Kane thing because I think there is something 
about talking about movies that are have this like exalted status in film history, it's good to like check up on them, reevaluate them because you change sure. over the years. The film doesn't change, right? I think we've absolutely kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. talked about this before. So there's stuff that I saw a first time, couldn't stand it, and you know now I'm I'm a big fan. I mean, Lebowski's like the best example of that. That might be my favorite movie, and I think the first time I saw it, I had no idea what the fuck I was watching. You know, so. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Plenty of stuff like that over the years, but um, but yeah, so lots of uh, lots of stuff to talk about here. But I, I, I kind of want to start with uh, the the mystique of the film, and I'm glad you, you mentioned you watched some of the sequels and you watched uh, Fear of God, which is a documentary about the making of The Exorcist. Mark, um, Mark Mode. Yep. yep. There. Are, so there are two great Exorcist documentaries that I'm aware of. There's that one. And then there's Leap of Faith, which came out on yes. Shutter a couple of years ago. Watched that one as well. That's one I couldn't think of. Yeah, I yes. finished that one last night. So. Yeah. So anybody who is a, an Exorcist fan who hasn't watched those, well worth your time. There's an, I mean, in combined total, I think that's almost four hours of really great behind the scenes stuff about the Exorcist. Um, one, uh, The Fear of God, was from '98. Like you said, Mark Kermode put that together. And then Leap of Faith was from a couple of years ago. So you get some interesting perspective on, um, on, on all of that. Another documentary I'd recommend, uh, I believe it's called Friedkin Uncut, came out a few years back. Mm-hmm. But yep. great documentary about William Friedkin. Um, a guy who, he wasn't part of the, the standard like new Hollywood wave with Coppola and Spielberg and all those guys. But, man, such an interesting filmography. Um, Obviously, we talked about Sorcerer before. Uh, I actually, I actually rewatched that this past week before watching The Exorcist, just to see if I could get a feel for some of the the directorial carryover between the movies. You know, mm-hmm. um, that movie still holds up. But yeah, such a such an amazing uh, director and personality. Um, some of his on set antics were maybe a little bit questionable. <laughs> uh, you know, um, he does fall into the camp sometimes of of those directors who they don't feel that they can just tell a woman to act a certain way. They feel like on set, they have to force the woman to do that by upsetting them or scaring them. I mean, Roman Polanski was a real shithead to, uh, fade Dunaway on Chinatown kind of seems like there's maybe a little bit of that with Ellen Burstein here, but, uh, but yeah. So anyways, William Friedkin, very interesting filmmaker, interesting guy. Um, so RIP just passed away too. Absolutely. Another another reason we're doing this. There's just Absolutely. so many correlations. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I, I kind of talked about a little bit uh, relaying my story of, like, how I saw this for the first time. But, you know, you saw this when you were a little bit older. Obviously, you, you were a little bit more uh, jaded, we'll say, a little bit, a little bit more life-lived than maybe some other people who saw this for the first time when it first came mm-hmm. out. What, with that in mind, why do you think that this movie was is and was so successful like what is it that tapped into the public consciousness and just like set this movie on fire at the box office i just it seems like i mean right this was one of the original kind of like nah, I, not per, i wasn't gonna say perverse but i mean i guess in a way i mean the the there's a lot of shock value stuff in here that hadn't been on screens before. I mean, the, yeah. the little girl stabbing herself in the crotch with a crucifix. Sure, yeah. the, the I mean, yeah, I think I, I, I honestly can't put myself in the, the 73 uh, lens, but my, I know my parents were uh, around, you know, obviously it, they were pretty 15, 10, 12, 15 around that, that age when this came out. And I know my, yeah. My parents had they they were a part of the hype too. They they there was like you had to see like you had you you wanted to be a part of that you know, the water cooler conversation even back then. Like if you if you didn't see this movie, you were one of those like, weirdos that hadn't seen The Exorcist. I think. Right. And I mean, yeah, there's there's just there's a lot of layers to it, and I think uh, too. I mean, I, like I said, coming from a religious background, that that whole. Uh, this was, you know, pretty much detested from the Catholic Church, and uh, there, like, there's a, a lot of things <laughs> to this of sure. it is so evil, and yeah, I, I think a lot. There's just a lot of factors that just really piled on and really made this what it is. Like, this phenomenon that it was. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, this this was <laughs> another level. This this movie made like four hundred and eleven million dollars on an eleven million dollar budget, adjusted for inflation, is insane. I mean, that's oh, that's unheard of for a a horror movie like this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what what are you what are your thoughts on it? I mean, why do you think it was is so successful? I I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think the shock value pushed this way beyond. Um, yeah. I think also that this was at a time where if a book was popular enough and a, there was a movie being made of it, that helped propel things. And I know The Exorcist was a huge bestseller. Yeah. Um, so I think that helps. But I also think that, and I think we just saw this with the Barbie and Oppenheimer thing. Sometimes there's just a cultural wave that a movie gets caught in and it just it just carries it, you know. And, and I think that that's, that's part of this. Um I think sometimes that's intangible. You know, you don't necessarily know exactly where that's going to come from or how how it's going to how it's going to work out. I think if studios did know, they would you know strategically uh, do things differently <laughs> than than they do. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just it, it's interesting to me. I, I don't know exactly if I could tell you do X, Y, and Z, and it it produces the results you desire. I mean, we, we saw this fail this year in a big way with mission impossible. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about a total flop with everything going for it. I mean, it was a good movie. Uh, it came off the heels of uh, a bunch top of gun. good sequels, right? And, and top gun <laughs> summer after top gun. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, that movie had absolutely everything going for it. And for some reason it just fell on its face and that could yeah. be scheduling. That could be, all of a sudden, the public is sick of Tom Cruise like they were before uh, Mission Mission Six, or, or yeah, Mission yeah. Six. Yeah. Um, yeah, who knows? I, it's it's impossible to say, but it's pretty impressive to me that no matter how much time passes, you know, if you look up Universal Halloween Horror Nights, they still do Exorcist themed houses there every year. Um, yep. The fact that there's another sequel for this that's in theaters uh, that speaks to the 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 kind of staying power of just the name. And, you know, you were talking about, you had seen a few of the sequels and, and that you had done a lot of homework in the run up to this exorcist two. I have never seen it because I've always heard it is just terrible. Um, but the fact that there have been still so many exorcist movies and none of them have had either the critical or the commercial success of the first one. I mean, what's your take on that? You, you just kind of freshly went through this franchise. Is it, is it a problem of, like, a quality level thing? Was there an expectation on, say, the second one that was too high after the first? Or what did you I, have a take on yeah, it? Dude, after, okay, so, yeah, I'd never seen Exorcist 2, the, the her, heretic, or as Freetin calls it, the hairy tick, and, like, behind the scenes. I fucking love it. He's such a dick. Um, I, I can legitimately say, I've seen a lot of fucking movies in my day, and it, yeah. it is legitimately one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like, I, wow. I'm, that's not even hyperbolic. It is, dude, it is, it's, like, laughably, I, I don't even know what they're doing. The editing in it, there's, like, there's moths, there's, like, scenes from like hornets that you're like getting this camera i don't have any idea and i it really made me hate linda blair i think she's absolutely atrocious wow. in it and it almost like <laughs> re-watching the the exorcist again after seeing the hairy tick uh it, it just like oh linda blair I, I i can't stand her i can't stand her uh i think that the second one honestly derailed everything i, I mean Friedkin wanted nothing to do with it. The studio wanted it, and it was, seemed like it was rewritten multiple times. And I, I, I would not be surprised if that is what steered this whole thing off the tracks. Because I mean, what there, there was, of course, Legion, Exorcist three, four was the Schrader one, right? That he got kicked off of while filming, right. and then yeah, Skarsgård was in those as Marin. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I. But, but, we can touch on Believer a little bit toward the end because I've seen that as well, but uh, nothing comes close to the first one, really. And and honestly, man, uh, rewatching three this week, I don't even love that movie, to be quite honest. Like, Interesting. I thought, I, I hadn't seen that until a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I think I liked it a lot more a few years ago. This this watch, I, I don't know. There was something about it. I think Brad Dourif's scenes are great, but other than that, it leaves a little bit to be desired for me, but... Yeah, I, I think the second one really just plummeted everything to do with this. It, it's not even on the same level. There's not even, like, exorcisms in it. And I think that's another thing. The, the studio's is like, hey, you have exorcism in the title. We've got to have an exorcism in all these movies. And yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's rough, <laughs> to say that's, the least. That's wild. I mean, that, yeah. so many horror franchises 
this happens, right? I, I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, I know there are a really? ton of Halloween sequels. <laughs> I know people, have, you know, some of them have their fans, but it, it, nothing touches the original. It's not, it, it's no. not even close. Like, Nope. I know people like the second one. The second, no, no, it's, no. it's, 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 it's the second one is fun, fun slasher movie, but no, it, like it doesn't even touch the ball hair of the original Halloween. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's nothing like it's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, I, you know, I, I like some of the Elm Street sequels because they're just fucking wacky, but like, oh yeah, there's nothing that touches the first one. The first one nope. is like, I've said this before, but man, you want to talk about a movie that, basically paved the way for the matrix nightmare on elm street is it dude like that is yeah. a massively influential fucking movie um uh-huh. but so many franchises they just the, the, nobody ever understands what made the original successful or why people wanted to see the original and, and then they just make like a cheap imitation for a sequel and then they just keep going because they're cheap and they know people will buy the ticket with the name recognition blah 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 but that's a it's maybe a whole podcast unto itself but yeah, but I mean, you're not wrong though. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. very true. So, so, um, so okay, so Exorcist. I, I don't think we need to rehash the story. Little girl gets possessed by a demon. Uh, mother doesn't know what to do about it. She tries seeing doctors. She tries some experimental medical procedures. They don't work. The little girl gets worse. Uh, she contacts a priest. The priest gets in touch with his uh, his diocese. The diocese recommends an exorcism. They get a priest from across the country to come and aid him, making uh, the initial priest who was Father Karras, the secondary to Father Marin. Karras is played by Jason Miller, who was a, a notable playwright at the time. Father Marin is played by Max von Sydow. Um, you know, we don't need to say much about him. Incredible actor. Obviously, Ellen Bernstein's the mother. This is Linda Blair's defining career performance. Um, and shenanigans ensue, right, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, there's a lot a, a lot's been said about all these performances but there's somebody that I I, I think gets mentioned in real film buff circles um, but when you talk about The Exorcist you do need to bring this guy's name up and it's Dick Smith um, mm-hmm. Dick Smith is the makeup artist who did the prosthetics for uh, particularly Father Marin but also some of the stuff on Reagan um, the Father... Reagan is an incredibly creepy design. Um, the effects on Reagan throughout the movie, as they get worse and worse, um, they, they're more and more severe and awful, and you feel terrible when you look at her. Um, that makeup obviously has its effect. But the work that he does on Max von Sydow is legendary. <laughs> Max von Sydow was, I think, almost 40 years old in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And between the makeup and his acting, you believe that he's 85 on the verge of death. Um, absolutely incredible work. Uh, I, I think Dick Smith, maybe you have this information. Did he win an Oscar for this? Uh, they did not win an Oscar. It was nominated for makeup, though. So I believe that he ended up winning an Oscar for makeup for Amadeus years later. Okay. Um, but one of the things that he innovated with the prosthetics is rather than putting an entire face on on somebody's face, like a prosthetic old man makeup, he understood that by breaking that into pieces and gluing the pieces to, like, say, the cheeks and then a different piece to where the, excuse me, where the chin is and the forehead, you can actually layer it in a way that makes it look much more realistic. And it totally changed the game on movie makeup and prosthetics. Um, so incredible work from him it, it cannot be understated he made max von Sydow look the way max von Sydow would end up looking 40 years later like almost to a t seriously yeah i mean it, he looks exactly like he does in force awakens i mean it's, it, it's crazy fucking <laughs> incredible what this guy did and and, and credit to Sydow for for the acting performance too because mm-hmm. obviously we've seen people in old age makeup and it looks like shit this was not that. He did a great job. Dick Smith did a great job. Kudos to both of them. Phenomenal work. Absolutely phenomenal work. Um, the Friedkin of it all. You want to talk about somebody who is just a fucking madman on set. Um, you're, you watched a few of these documentaries, so you might know the stories better than I do, but if memory serves, he would like shoot a rifle on set to startle people. 
Yeah, um, Jason Miller's particularly like he, Father Karras. He he really wanted to startle him in almost every scene. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! Um, I think at some point he had a priest come in and bless the set because they were superstitious that demonic entities were trying to stop them from making the movie mm-hmm. at different points. Um, yeah, now, well, like the the set burned down. Other than Reagan's room around it, like that happened at one point during filming. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of a lot of weird things that went on. There's also a uh, Curse Films, the uh, the Shutter uh, TV show that also had a 30 minute uh, episode on this, which turns into really shitty toward the end of it. The first like 20 is like stuff you've seen on Fear of God, and then it actually there's an exorcist that comes on there trying to do exorcisms on screen and it's fucking oh my god it's brutal Um, like okay i'm turning this off now i think that might be the episode of cursed films where i stopped it at that point and said i'm not watching this anymore i had never seen an episode and i watched up until then i'm like what is this and i turned it off so we're we're pretty in line there that Um, show fucking sucked yeah there's i mean there's a lot of there uh what's the other one um when uh linda blair is Flipping and contour, uh, flipping in the bed. She actually mm. fractured part of her spine in that contraption. Yeah. Ellen yeah. uh, Burstyn getting yanked back. Uh, got whiplash from uh, the first scene where she slaps her, and she's saying, uh, it, "Yeah, the, the the wardrobe scene where it, like falls on her, she gets yanked right. back." Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of freaking shenanigans, but we we know all those stories, and he's owned up a lot. <laughs> he already did as like, yeah, that's wouldn't get away with it now. It was a uh, way we did things back then, but. Right, right, yeah, right. It's, uh, he got the desired result. I mean, this thing was a fucking huge hit. So. Yeah, I, I've got a little piece of Friedkin here. It's a little over a minute long. Um, the audio on this, it could be better, but I think the, the interviewer doesn't sound great, but I think what Friedkin says here is, is pretty worthwhile, talking specifically about um, some of the making of the movie. So here we go. You mentioned technical problems. There must have been quite a few technical problems on The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Could you... Perhaps tell us some of the... Well, uh, you know, you have the problem of the complete physical and mental alteration and deterioration of a human being, including supernatural effects surrounding that alteration and deterioration. The main problem was to try to do these effects in such a way that they've never been done before. And in this particular film, The Exorcist, I uh, decided that we would achieve all of these effects live in the studio, that there would be no use of trick photography, no opticals, but that everything that appears on screen would have been achieved as we photographed it, such as the levitation Mm -hmm. and uh, the the physical alteration of the girl's face and body. Uh, Everything, as I say, was done on the set, except for the vocal effects, which which was a very complicated process done afterward. I don't want to say too much about how we did it because I think it would limit an audience's enjoyment if they knew exactly how the sleight of hand is performed. I really like Friedkin's overall perspective on filmmaking. Um, you know, putting aside the uh, situations he sometimes puts actors in, he just strikes me as such an intelligent person who's given a lot of thought to the decisions he makes with filmmaking. Um, and at the same time, is not afraid to just tell you what his opinion is, and he doesn't really give a fuck what you think. No. Uh, I, I remember there was a quote somewhere about Friedkin. Friedkin's talking to somebody about the, the shelf life of DVDs and how even if you get a DVD, it will not have the longevity of a Blu-ray. And his response, I think this was when Al, Oliver Stone was releasing an ex, like a, an alternate cut of the movie Alexander. And Friedkin basically says to the interviewer, he's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and the guy's <laughs> like, well, you know, according to Oliver Stone, the longevity of a Blu-ray should be ten times what a DVD is. And, and Friedkin's like, well, I have a DVD copy of Citizen Kane at my home right now, and it's lasted for the last 15 years. So that's already five years more than he says. So what the fuck does Oliver Stone know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just the best. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I think my favorite, though, is the, the Refn YouTube interview he's got. Isn't it like an hour and a half? And it's just, yes. it's, it's just the best. He's just... Refn's just being such a tool, and he's just throwing it right back at Refn. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Any, highly recommend if you've never seen 
seeing that. Honestly, anything with Friedkin in it, if you get an opportunity, just sit down and watch it. It's just as entertaining as any of his best movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's such a an interesting and charismatic person in film. Uh, yeah, it's a shame he's gone, but I'm really glad we have the body of work that we do on uh, absolutely on everything that he's done. But, but yeah, um, so performances outside of Side Out. Obviously, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Um, to me, this film's full of great performances. I think mm-hmm. Ellen Burstein is phenomenal. I think Linda Blair is great. She she's, she sort of rides the line of, at times, she seems like she's a little bit too much of a child, but the things that she is put through later in the movie counterbalance that for me, so it doesn't really bug me. Um, but my big takeaway this time was I really underrated Jason Miller as an actor in this. I think his whole arc and performance man, is it tragic and, and fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. So many different angles to read what he's doing, why he's doing it, um, and the fact that Friedkin cast a guy that kind of looks like Rocky Balboa in that part. I don't know. There's there's so much there to, to kind of chew on. Did you have a standout performance from the film outside of uh, anybody that I mentioned or, or maybe maybe even one of those? Yeah, I definitely agree with you on, on Miller. I didn't... These viewings definitely, I, I'm with you as far as like that that whole storyline with his mother and everything, and him losing and battling his faith. I think it's fantastic. Uh, which originally, Stacy Keach was cast in that role. That's right. They Warner Brothers had to pay the whole salary for him still, but Friedkin was like, "No, I'm not having it to accept him." He fought for him, which is hey, good on him. Uh, yeah. inter- interesting to see Stacy Keach as well, but. It's hard to see it in anyone other than uh, Miller in this. Uh, for me, it's Burston. I think she's just phenomenal in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like, there's a... Uh, we'll get into it in our superlatives, but the the scene when uh, the uh, the caretaker breaks it to her that Burke, the director, was killed, and pretty much right. she knows that it was her daughter that did it, and, like, her reaction in that scene alone, I think it's just... As a mother, like, realizing what the fuck is happening to your daughter, and just, like... I mean, I think she's great in that scene. Um, so, yeah, she's, she's my standout by far in this movie yeah also a, a quick shout out for uh lee j cobb i think he's a great uh mm-hmm. you know secondary character in the movie obviously he's a face that a lot of us should know from movies like 12 angry men um but juror number nice. three is that is he number three there i think right uh, say that again he's juror number three right I believe. Oh, you're, you're, yeah you, i mean you might be i have no idea what the numbers are <laughs> I, ne- I never fucking remember what that movie I oh, yeah he's the actors he, yeah he's phenomenal in that movie yeah yeah, it's a classic. That's another, that's another one we should think about covering. I actually know a guy in this network who might be interested in talking about that movie, so maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk about that later. Um, but, yeah, um, the special effects work. So, you mentioned that some of it came across as cheesy when you first saw it, but I actually have always looked at this movie and, and really appreciated some of what Friedkin actually said in that interview clip. He wanted to get it all on set in the camera as much as possible without tricks. And, uh, you know, there are a couple moments where you can see the strings, so to speak. Um, I always think about the effect of Reagan, her head to the side while they're in one of the exorcism scenes and sort of vomiting that green goose slowly out of her mouth. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that one looks a little fake to me. uh, of everything in the movie, that that's like I don't know. Every time I see that, I'm like, yeah, that's I don't know about that one. But um, otherwise, it holds up though. I'm, I don't have a problem with the special effects here. I think the performances are good. Um, I think the direction is like phenomenal. I, I mean, Friedkin talks about it in some of these documentaries how his style was was largely like it was just a documentary style. Like he mm-hmm. wanted oh, to yeah. make it seem like this was actually happening and that it was less theatrical than. Um, it was it was more real than theatrical. I think that totally comes across in this. Absolutely, um, yeah. And and you know, there's there's plenty to be said for that. Um, you know, as a movie that stands next to a lot of horror that's come out since, I I, I actually think that this movie hasn't really lost any of its potency. I, I know that there's stuff like, you know. Uh, uh, you know, like gore porn movies for shock value and, and stuff like, you know, the, the uh, Hostel series or the Human Centipede. We've certainly seen things that are gorier or more uh, extreme in other films, but I, 
I think that this movie just it has that staying power we were kind of talking about earlier because man the character is just so closely married to this like this feeling of, of violation and, and and like the lost innocence that I think everybody can relate to that even if you don't believe in this shit you know mm-hmm. really well done stuff but but yeah so credit to William Peter Blatty on the writing here too because without him I, I don't I don't know if Friedkin necessarily makes as great a movie. Um, you know, he's he's just as important to this, I think, as Friedkin is. He, even even though they butt heads a little bit while during the making of the movie. Um, like, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like they really really hated each other while it was made, and then after like you know ten fifteen years sat on it, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff with them just ragging each other and just good friends at this point. <laughs> so right. it's, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty funny to see them banter back and forth. Yeah, I mean, four hundred and eleven million dollars uh, you know, theatrical <laughs> yeah. to do that to a person. So. <laughs> I'm true. sure if the movie sucked, then they'd probably fucking hate each other. Now. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, is there anything else you want to dive into before we start hitting superlatives? <clears throat> so, yeah, actually, there's a couple. Um, so, did are you pretty well versed in the director's cut versus the theatrical, or did you okay. usually stick more theatrical? So. This is where things get a little bit uh, sticky for me because I I really don't know the difference between the two. I know the Spider Walk was a difference at one point, but it seems like there's a, there's an original version, then there's a, like a like a version you didn't see with the Spider Walk, and then there's a director's cut. Am I correct, or am I do I have that munched? Um, I as far as I know, there's just the theatrical and the directors. I, there there probably is other versions, but there's at least the two that I. Okay. Yeah, I think it's the, the, the theatrical cuts two hours and one, and I think the director's is two hours and thirteen, if I'm not mistaken. But okay. it's with yeah, the Spider Walk is the edition, which is that that was revisiting that the first time here. I was like, where the fuck is the Spider Walk? I don't know. I guess the first time I saw this, it was that, and that is so in like ingrained with the Exorcist too, which is kind of crazy to think about how much. And that just got added in what, like two thousand or ninety eight, the twenty five year anniversary that he. I, I, yeah, I remember the commercials when that was back in theaters, and it said, mm-hmm. you know, the version you've never seen. And I, yeah, before I knew, I saw the movie. I knew there was a, like a spider walk scene in it. I, I didn't uh-huh. know anything about it though. But. Yeah, it was just like the blood coming out of her mouth, and then there's right. the, the other big scene is the uh, it's in between like the last time that Marin goes in the room. It's him and Kara sitting on the steps and actually discussing why. Like why? Why this little girl? Why it's more right. of that scene, and it's like that. That's kind of what I took more from this, which I think it ties into uh, a lot of like the beginning of this movie. It's the first twelve minutes takes place in Iraq, northern Iraq, with Marin as he's digging up the Pazuzu, and I, that's really what I took from this movie this time. Is like th- this whole movie. It's not just this little. I mean, sure, it's possessing this little girl, but it's it's a whole. The whole thing is Marin coming face to face with this Pazuzu which you get at the beginning of and I remember the first time I'm like what the fuck is this boring ass 15 minute scene in Iraq what like what are we doing here this is not what I signed up for for the next movie but that I mean that's really I mean that's the bones of this what this movie is I mean it's it's literally the question of faith and I mean as soon as they he walks in and you get the (laughs) like screaming it's just like it's fucking eerie uh yeah that, that whole yeah. While you're there, I have a question for you. And it, it never occurred to me until watching it this time, but you're you're kind of talking about what where this question is. So I don't mean I don't mean to derail you, but like this is the time to ask it. So mm-hmm. um so so during those exorcism scenes, the scene you're talking about, which is actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie when they have that conversation. It's like why the little girl? And he's like, I think the point is so that we despair, you know? Yeah. Um that stuff is great, but in the exorcism scenes, whenever they throw holy water at Reagan, and even when they, they just throw regular water at Reagan, but but they say it's holy water, Reagan's like reacting, or the demon's reacting, and you know, it's like screaming and writhing on the bed and all this stuff. How much of that do you think is actual pain, or how much of it do you think is an act to try and psych them out? Almost, I think, 
I think a lot, most of it is acting. I think he is just fucking with them, right? Because that's what yeah. he, he comes back down and says, like, it wasn't blessed. It was just tap water and she's Correct. freaking like, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think it, the, Pazuzu is just a cunt. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah. part of my language. <laughs> but he is. I mean, he's, the he's, he's there just to fuck with them. I mean, he's, he, that's the whole thing. I think, honestly, the creepiest thing in this entire movie for me is after Marin has his heart attack or whatever and he's dead there and Karis comes in the room and <laughs> motherfucker is just sitting there admiring its work. Yeah. <laughs> like just yeah. looking there like, <laughs> like that shit is very eerie. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's it's just a matter of this demon just is there to fuck with Marin and make him break his faith and there to fuck with Karis. And yeah, I mean... Just a real asshole, that Pazuzu guy. <laughs> so sorry, not to derail what you were saying before. It just felt like the right time to. No, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, that, that that is the big thing I took from these these viewings is that like I, I do not think this movie is scary. I've never thought this movie is scary, but I really really appreciate the filmmaking behind everything with with, with yeah. especially listening to Friedkin talk. I think that only elevates everything. And I'm uh, yeah, I'm the type yeah. of and I'm the type of fucking nerd that. When I watch a movie, I want to know the bones of it. I want to know stripped down how this made, why Same. they made it. I mean, yeah. and so it's like that shit just is like uh, catnip for me. So it's only going uh, yeah. in, to increase my uh, my opinion of it. So yeah, totally agree. But that's really that's really what I had. I mean, and I, that that first thing and I know is always a big talking point. If you look at any of the negative shit online, it's always. This movie's too slow. Why the fuck? Like the first twelve minutes is so boring. Like what? Are, what's the, what's even the point? But it's like that's the whole point of the movie. I mean, it, it's it's faith, faith versus evil, and it's him coming face to face with this demon at the end of the movie. So yeah, I mean, you know. the movie is called The Exorcist. Not yeah, the it exorcism. is about it, yeah, it's so. about Marin. I mean, yeah, he is the exorcist. That right. He's on the poster. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, excellent. All right, man. Um, all right, well, if that's. That's that for now. I think it's time, so let's jump in. That's that, dude! All right, it's the Kupka. It's the Steen Stealer or Cameo. Um, I'll kick it off this week. I I know I said it before, but I really got to give it to uh, Jason Miller in this. Um, I think this is a great, a really great performance. Um, I, I honestly don't know him from much else. Uh, it makes me want to go and watch a few more of his films. I think... This came up, I think, on the Pure Cinema podcast, but I believe he wrote a play called That Championship Season that was made into a movie um, that I, I have to check out. But Yeah, that, that, that's the play that Friedkin saw that, okay. that made him want to cast him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, it did get made makes, into a movie, you're right. Mm-hmm. That makes all the sense, yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, Jason Miller in this, for me, was a total scene stealer. I thought that there's a, there's a lot of flash, and obviously there's a, there's a lot of great, great stuff in this movie. But for me... It, these rewatches, Jason Miller stood out. So, uh, I already said it. Ellen Burstyn, I think she steals most scenes she's in, and I think yeah, I think she's just phenomenal. Which nice. they bring her back for Believer Jack, and it is the most funny well, fucking. We can yeah. we can we can we can save that for uh, all right. Let's let's not uh, let's not muddy the waters. So to all right, speak. all right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm getting a certain track. vibe, and uh, there's no reason to. No reason to bring down the party. So, all right, all right, keep me on track. Keep me on track. All right, all right let's do. Let's let's go for the next one. This is the valley. Wow, fucking it, oh, it, fuck! All right, punchable face. Uh, what do you have for this? So, I don't think that anyone is bad in this movie, and I love Lee Cobb. But when Lee Cobb as Kinderman is asking Chris for an autograph, it is so cringy, and it is. It just makes me want to breach. Just reach the screen and punch him. He's like, hey, get it for my daughter. And she's like, what's her name? He's like, uh, sorry, it's for me. It's like the most unprofessional cop shit ever, mm. which now I'm like, how many, how many fucking cops when they're uh, investigating or doing anything with like celebrities or anybody's asking for autographs like that? It's so fucking, yeah. I don't know. It, it, that, that particular scene, very point, which I get the whole point of it, but it's like, God damn it. What an asshole. What would what he got? <laughs> yeah, that, that's an interesting situation because it's like, okay, so you can't say no because it's a cop. But if you do, yeah, then you get a lot of, uh, I don't know, favor with the particular cop. So I feel like <laughs> it's true. if the cop asks you for the autograph, he's actually giving you an opportunity for like a free minor get out of jail free card. You know what I mean? So that is true. That's true. Yeah. I, I could see it either way there, but I get it. I get it. Um, far more punchable face for me is an actor named Jack McGowan, uh, who plays Burke Dennings. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> this guy, what an annoying little, uh, to, to quote you from earlier, cunt from, uh, from this movie. Um, you know, they're, they're, the scene right before Reagan comes downstairs and pisses on the floor, he's at like a dinner party and he's calling this dude out for being a fucking Nazi. Yeah, it's like, that's right. Dude, you're it. Like, everybody's here to just like play some piano, have some more d'oeuvres and I don't know, maybe a little wine. Like what? Why? Why do we need to take it to, you're a Nazi. Like, I don't get it. Don't isn't, get it. He, isn't there like a mention of like I found an alien pubic hair in my drink or something like whatever the fuck so. he says? Yeah, it's like the most random shit ever. I think yeah, freaking talks about that in his commentary. Also, he's like, someone had to read shit. that out of Gladys' script and at like a <laughs> at like a federal trial or something about an alien pubic hair. I don't remember. So super funny. <laughs> but yeah, that guy. So we didn't really even talk about that. So like, okay, so. So Chris, as Ellen Burstyn, she's an actress. She's in this movie that's like, you know, standing up for college rights or whatever the fuck is going on at this. <laughs> to have, but then, like, the director is at her house. That'd be like Margot Robbie. Tarantino comes to uh, her house and gets thrown <laughs> from the window from, like, the kid. <laughs> we didn't really even talk about that whole, like, the director was fucking murdered by uh, this actress's uh, daughter. Just be a whole other thing in the headlines, oh which is funny. God. Do you do you think that that adds? I mean, I, we just talked about it with the cop, but like, what what do you think that that adds? Like her being an actress to this story? Do you think? I mean, what what do you think was the the logic behind Blatty putting that as like the the background here? Like, I don't know. I I think it, so. I don't think that it had to be an actress, but I think what he's trying to get at is. You know, there's a certain reading of this movie that's all about a woman who can't relate to her daughter because she's about to go through puberty. Like, that's, mm, yeah, yeah. that's, that's pretty obvious there. And I feel like sure. the fact that you see Reagan talking to her mother about, you know, oh, my, you know, the babysitter took me to the park and we saw this man with a horse. He let me ride the horse. It's like this little girl is kind of, you know, living a, a chunk of her life with her mother not involved, even though she's living with her mother in a nice house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's something to be said for the fact that maybe, uh, you know, the, the absentee, it's not an absentee Father. mother, but, you know, the absenteeism of the mother is the thing that allows a demon to take hold and, and you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and get its tendrils in, in this little girl. So, But also complete absenteeism of the father not even being there or caring exactly. about her birthday and all this shit, too. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly. So, you know, yep. sees, maybe the idea is that this demon just sees like a vulnerable soul and, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. you know, trying to relate it to uh, and so a little bit of doubt in the minds of the audience. Right. It's like, well, this is a little girl acting out maybe in the first like third of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's. I, I think it's just there to kind of serve that purpose. Um, yeah. Not, okay. not really. I like it. Yeah. Again. That was one of my talks. Sorry, I had it written down here. That I just no, wanted no. to get that at least brought up. So, yeah. Did it have to be an actress? No. Could have been a nurse. Could have been. But, again, like, if you want it in Georgetown and you want it in a nice house, you know, got to have somebody who makes a decent amount of coin. So, I, I could see how that gets put together. But Yeah. I've always – I've always – I, I, anytime I go, I, I, these steps are definitely in a, a uh, I, I got to visit these steps at some point. That's always been on the, the list of things gotta, to, yeah. to visit. <laughs> yeah, I got to do that too. I've, I've only been uh, once, well, yeah, only once in my life, but yeah, never got to, never got to Georgetown itself. So mm-hmm. hopefully next time, but uh, yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we've got the Ammon. Tell me something about something I was reading about. All right. So uh, best quote of the movie. Um, for me, it's a dialogue between Karis and Marin. Um, I might have this paraphrased slightly, but essentially Karis says, as they're about to enter Reagan's room, I think it might be helpful if I gave you some background on the different personalities Reagan has manifested. So far, I'd say there seem to be three. She's convinced, and then Marin cuts him off, there is only one. You know, that, Amazing. Amazing line. Uh, love that Marin is there. He's seen it before. He knows what's happening. Uh, he's obviously the right man for the job on this. And I feel like that line conveys a ton about the character in a very short amount of time. But I love that, that quote. I'm gl- well, I'm glad one of us is mature. 
Oh boy. Because I mean, I mean, Christ, Power of Christ compels you. Super famous, of course. Sure. But I mean, come on, Reagan. Come on, <laughs> stick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. And your mother sucks cocks in hell. Is come on. I mean, there's what's better than your mother sucks cocks in hell? I mean, it's it's top notch. Fucking yeah. pull those sounders all you want. It's fucking yeah, fantastic. My- my, the only thing that makes you upset is that I was laughing over the first one, but at least the other two were clean. So, you want to six cocks in hell? What do you want from me? What do you want from me? Well, maybe she does. All I right. say that all the time. Okay, I say it to my friends constantly. Okay, okay my sucks cocks. Well, that's that's great. All right, Chad C. I know this is a hot take. Most entertaining scene. What do you have for this? Kind of cheated, but I mean, really, from the second that Karis shows up. In this movie, it's the last 45, but the last 20, 25 is the exorcism scene is just it's nonstop, man. I mean, it's for as much shit as this movie gets about being slow. The the last 30 minutes of this movie really just it, it is my dogs. The last two weeks of watching this, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, they're just staring at my TV. It's so loud. Shit, it's like bed is rocking. She's just being the worst. And yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it's just it's nonstop. So the last 20, 25 is where I'm at. What about you? Nice. Um, yeah, impossible to deny. Obviously, that stuff's great. Um, all, all the different scares in the movie are great. Uh, we, we didn't mention it, but the subliminal face of Pazuzu that pops up all over the place, that's a mm-hmm. cool effect. Um, yeah. But pinpointing one moment, the first time that Karis goes to see Reagan and ta- has a conversation with her in the bedroom, um, he's saying, you know, she, she he, he says something like, who are you? And she's like, I'm the devil. And he says, you know, if you're the devil, why can't you just wish away these shackles and free yourself? And she says, that'd be much too vulgar a display of power. And I've always mm-hmm. loved that. Like, <laughs> I love the other line, but man, that line is fucking money. I love, like, the implications of that scene. Um, and the fact that she says, your mother's in here with us. And as he's leaving the house, he says, did, did Reagan know that my mother past and you know Ellen Burstyn mm-hmm. says no I don't think so it, it, it's 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 an mm-hmm. effective scene <laughs> works really well absolutely yep um, yeah all right the TM I mean wow what's held up the best and the worst uh, I have nothing for worst I I, I don't find anything to fault with this movie I, I don't know if I could nitpick uh, something here uh, maybe that effect I was talking about with the pea soup but I, I just I don't want to like it's 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 counterproductive in my opinion. So, um, so for what's held held at the best, I think a lot. But if I were going to pick out two things, um, like I said, the makeup effects are incredible, and I think that the script. I know it's very famous movie. It's very well spoken of, but I think the script is even better than I thought previously. I, I, I really think it's great. Okay. Okay. Um, so I had to age the worst, which is just the head turning effect scene that the one specifically where she says, y'all come thing, Dada, <laughs> but it, it looks, it just looks super fake. I mean, at this point it's, it, but, uh, but I'm like, it's 50 years old. I'm, I'm not going to like shit on this because of it, but it, it's clearly an effect of like the head stops at a certain point and it's not, mm-hmm. it's just an effect, but I'm not going to like <laughs> take whatever on it but it doesn't look great 50 years later it didn't age great but what are you what are you gonna do what are you gonna do yeah that's fair i mean i i get it it doesn't bother me but uh no, it, it doesn't bother me either but if i'm gonna nitpick anything i'm gonna nitpick that so sure well, gotta be fair with everything you know kind of sounds like you hate it so whatever. <laughs> all right the pmc right. best use of music what do you have i mean the first time tubular bells hits is just She's walking back from the set. She turns the corner. It's like this perfect fall day. There's the kids run by trick-or-treating. You get the nuns. It's just like we're in spooky season, Halloween, fall. It's like the best. I love that scene so much. I could say that is like my favorite scene of the movie, but it's just great. It's fantastic. Knows exactly. You know, the directing in that scene is just impeccable. He just knows exactly this, this, the scanning shot of her walking down this brick building. There's like red paint on the the brick and yeah, it's great absolutely great what about you well i'm glad that you brought up tubular bells 
We didn't mention it before, but have you ever listened to Tubular Bells, the whole thing? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. At, that is, so the first 30 seconds of the song, obviously it's The Exorcist and it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Man, does that song, like, it, it's so fucking weird. The opening stanzas, you're like, oh my god, The Exorcist, this is creepy. And then the song just, like, morphs. And it mm-hmm. becomes the fucking art, pop, jazz fusion song that it, it originally was. <laughs> Uh-huh. Man, that's a weird <laughs> <Yeah>. fucking song. <laughs> like, like, I mean, for, credit to Friedkin for knowing how much of it to use, and obviously it's iconic now. But god damn it, that is. You want to talk about a song that absolutely does not represent The Exorcist? From like forty-five seconds on to the end of Tubular <laughs> Bells, it's like a completely different. I don't even know what. It, it seems like you should be in a fucking Greta Gerwig movie or something. It's really weird. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but um, all right. So, best use of music. I I kind of went the other way with this. I actually like the fact that every one of the exorcism scenes and any of the quote unquote action scenes in the movie, there's no music. Like Friedkin takes any music away and just lets the scene play out. And it, I feel like it's so effective because of that. Um, whether it's you know Reagan getting like whipped back and forth on the bed or you know, the intensity of the exorcism scenes and, and the whole room shaking at times and then everything stopping while Reagan is, like, levitated over the bed. All that shit, man. It, it The lack of music, I don't know, it makes me laser focus on all those details and it, it makes it more creepy, I think. But, yeah. yeah. Not a lot and, of music in this movie at all, though. I mean... Not really. No. Pretty, uh, no. it, it's, it's pretty much, uh, again, that, like, documentary style. It's... Mm-hmm. It, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. But all right, next one, the PJ dynamite <laughs> drop in, Monty. All right, so this is the swap out of someone in the movie. Um, so this was a tough one because I felt like so much of it was uh, was cast really well. Um, but you know, 1973. Uh, there is someone in this movie that uh, maybe should not be in the movie anymore. Um, his name is Father uh, Father Dyer in the movie. His name in real life was William O'Malley. He was a priest. Um, if memory serves, he's in Fear of God, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's because okay. he's um, he, he's a real life priest, I believe, too. Correct. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Went to Holy Cross in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I really like his performance in the movie. I think that he's pretty good, fairly nuanced. I love him giving last rites to Father Karras. Um, I think he's really effective. But but again, that's a scene where like, didn't Friedkin like punch him in the face or something before that scene? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. So it's one of those things where I like his performance, but unfortunately, before his death in 2019. He was accused of uh, child molestation. Uh, a Catholic so, priest? No way. So, no. you know, maybe maybe we could go in a different direction with that. <laughs> and 1973, a uh, bunch of different options here. You don't want somebody who's going to overpower the scene or the movie. Um, but I kind of want this to be one more John Cazal role, you know? Just okay, okay. he he's got a different look and a different feel. He's sort of a meek and meager kind of guy, especially at this time. But man, what a great like just supporting performance. Slot him right in there, and uh, you know he he gets a sixth movie on his already stellar five film resume. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I, I would win Kazal. Alfredo, Alfredo, that's right. Um. So I'm going to change the entire course of the history of the fucking horror 70s era here, okay? Because I'm going to act like the rest of the 70s didn't exist. Because after the Harry Tick, I fucking don't like Linda Blair. I'm going to be honest. I don't like her. So I want to replace her. And I, I want to replace her with some Hollywood royalty, who is also probably the biggest scream queen of all time. I want Jamie Lee Curtis as Linda Blair. <laughs> As Reagan. As Reagan. In 73, uh, she's the exact same age. Exact same age. This is five wow. years before Halloween. She would have been 14 the same time. Give give me... Because, let's be honest here. Linda Blair 
She doesn't even use the voice. Like she's the, the little kid at the beginning, yada yada, playing with a Ouija board, and then the rest of it is another voice, another actor doing the stunts and all that shit. Want some Jimmy Lee Curtis? Give it a little bit of a little Tony Curtis, a uh, little Janet Lee. She's still a scream queen. Why the fuck not? That's what I say. I, I was having a hard time with this one. I'm not gonna lie. I, 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 I pull. I'm reaching here, but hey, why not? I'm gonna I act kinda, like Halloween didn't exist. I, yeah, I kind of like it, but it does fuck up Halloween for sure. <laughs> it does, yeah, because she's not an unknown at that point. Right. So yeah, which yeah. I like Halloween a lot more than I like The Exorcist. I'm not gonna lie, but I, I, I was pulling. I what I always do with this, I find my weakest point in the movie. I Google. You know, actors or actresses that are the same age, around the same time. Sure. And she's the exact age as Linda Blair. So I'm like, why the fuck not? <laughs> so It's interesting. I, I yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I, like, I like it. I like it as a yeah. hypothetical, but I, I, I love how things turned out. So. Oh, 100%. We're yeah. never, we're not altering history. I'm just, uh, sure. what if, what if, <laughs> what if, fair enough. All right. Well, uh, our extra credit, if you were going to swap anybody in this movie out for a binge staffer, did you have anybody picked out for this? No, this is a tough one, but listen, I need a regard, maybe not this particular movie, but I need a Law Alex uh, exorcism team to go in. Okay. You know, I think I think a nice Marin and Karis would be, they started binge, right? Law Moreno. I need I need them as Catholic priests to do some some type of maybe they're just like drinking maybe they're just dressed as priests on Halloween I don't know I I, I just those two together I can see it I I, I don't know there's something I like there it. I like it I like it um, what yeah, do you got from, what do you got so for me I'm actually swapping out uh, Lieutenant Kinderman Lee J Cobb um, okay. and you know I thought about myself at first and I was like I, I could I could be that role movie buff Lieutenant sure on the case. But free tickets to every free movie. Tickets. I love it. You know, you kind of fit into that well. Um, but then the more I thought about it, who, who would be like the funniest in that role? I think it's TM. Can you just imagine like TM police <laughs> lieutenant just like fucking throwing his weight around, trying to figure shit out, walks into a yeah. room. I mean, wow. You know, all kinds mm. of opportunities for sounder drops. I, I like it. I would watch it. He, he's, he's sitting at the table kind of talking to her, but there's like the sports highlights on from the night before, and he's like, I lost so much fucking money! Oh my I god. Mean, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that I'd fucking... That Marge Simpson voice. Hell yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Alright, man. Well, we talked uh, about a lot of this. I think this is another one you know, if we wanted to, we could do a, a podcast series on this movie. Um, but there's plenty out there if you're still craving some exorcist content. We mentioned some documentaries, that episode of Cursed Films. There's a ton of footage on YouTube of Friedkin and Burstyn and Linda Blair talking about the movie. Um, I didn't find a ton from Max von Sydow. I'd, I'd love to see more of his perspective on this. Um, but his his resume is, is so vast um i have no idea whether or not he actually uh thought highly of this movie or if this was just kind of a blip on the radar for him i mean he's like a titan of swedish cinema so um who knows but but yeah um as far as a rating goes this is an a plus movie i'm not gonna make my case for it it just it just is like it's a great movie it holds up it still is great it's entertaining it's still creepy uh and it still has a ton to to talk about so uh, a plus for me chad how about you so I fall to B plus. Okay. I I think this movie is. Ask me about this movie five years ago. I probably would have given this like a C plus. But I think these watches and everything that I've done in the last two weeks has just really elevated this movie. I still don't think this movie is scary. This is not one of those movie. I'm a huge horror fan. This is not one of my favorite horror movies. Like it's just not. It just mm. it, it doesn't fall in that. I watched it too late, and that's that's my fault. Maybe if I watched this when I was younger, and it just became one of those pantheon movies. It's just not that for me. I respect Friedkin so much. He's one of my favorite directors. This is not. I don't even think this is in my top three of his movies for me personally. Not that oh, this is this is his standout movie. Like the French Connection, he won the Oscar for this. Though I mean, this is what he's going to be remembered for. I fully understand that. Sorcerer, I think, is still my favorite of his movies. I love that movie. We did the movie homework on it. Go back and listen. Um, 
I still think this is a fantastic movie, though. And this movie, I mean, it, there's a reason that it is uh, acclaimed and it and is <laughs> what it is because it is it's so well made, it's so perfect. He's the perfect director for this movie. I know there was like Mike Nichols was thrown around uh, to do this and a couple other people, and he's perfect. He is the perfect director for this movie. This this is the, I think he is the reason this movie has stood the test of time. Yeah. So B plus for me. I still will rewatch this movie in the future, and I think it'll probably go up, right? I mean, it's uh, I just don't have as much, like, this movie is just not that type of uh, horror movie mm. for me that I, I grew up always watching and loving, like Evil Dead 2 or Halloween or any of those fucking movies, but I yeah. still very much enjoy this movie, so. Yeah, that's Perfect. where I stand. Perfect. All right, man. Um, all right, well, we had something lined up for next time, but then we thought about it and we said, well... We only get two bites of the apple for October, right? So we're going to push off our next selection to our next episode. Even though timing-wise, it might fit better with the timing of our next drop. But having said that, I don't think it'll be too much of a problem. So, Chad, why don't you tell the people what we landed on for next time? So next time, we are going to go back 30 years to 93 and do the legendary The Nightmare Before Christmas. Henry Selleck, Tim Burton... It's well talked about. I don't think it's ever been talked about on the network, though. So hmm. we're going back, and we're going to touch on that shit. So Exciting. Perfect. Exorcist Nightmare Before Christmas, two of the top, you know, Halloween-type watches. I think we're covering the bases here, Jack. I think we're, we're doing, a, doing a good job, you know? We're trying. That's all we can do. <laughs> That's right. All right. Um, yeah, bingemoviehomework at gmail.com is the email address. Please send us your suggestions, questions, comments there. Um, and follow Binge Media on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Patreon. Make sure you're subscribed. Five bucks a month on Patreon. You're getting those sweet-ass commentaries, the monthly picks, all of Pete's other stuff, our uh, TV roundup and review episodes, and some other stuff coming down the pike pretty soon. And uh, also, make sure that you're keeping an eye on things for Spelloween, which is coming up pretty soon. Uh, more details to follow on uh, when those drops will be and uh, yeah, what they are ultimately. Although I think if you look at the art on Facebook, you'll probably be able to figure it out. So, um, All right, Chad, anything else you got for the people? I got nothing, man. All right, man. I'm saying peace. Hey. Thank you for listening to Movie Homework, a Binge Media production. Follow the Binge Media Podcast Network at bingemedia.com, patreon.com slash bingemedia, or wherever you get podcasts. Got a movie suggestion? An award suggestion? Send us an email at bingemoviehomework at gmail.com. Binge